I'm Richard Fieldhouse. And I'm Sara Chambers. And we're together talking today about the latest edition of the Sessional GP magazine, the December 2017 edition, uh, which is available now online. And um, great edition uh, we've got for you. And so, Sarah, um, what, what's the first uh, article in this edition? OK, so the first article, lead article, is by Dr Kelly Lockwood, who is a sessional GP who has recently, well, in recent years, diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And what Kelly's done is pretty um, amazing. Um, so she talks about, um, really, the themes in this are... are, are patients as experts and how she is a doctor as a GP but also as a patient is able to bring this great perspective um, in raising awareness about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and they've got she's got very far with that with the charity that she works with um, but 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 also how being a sessional GP um, really uh, she's able to pace herself with uh, with her condition but but also having the headspace and the organisational ability to 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 work sessionally whilst also building in all this important work she's doing in raising awareness uh, and and working with the Alus Danlos um, charity and to the extent that they're I mean what a what a, a feat they're actually putting together an RCGP toolkit on Alus Danlos 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 syndrome and they're um, also um, working with Nice to to raise awareness of Alus Danlos syndrome in in various um, nice pathways and guidelines because it's something that certainly you and i don't know an awful lot about um um we were saying earlier on uh but also the the the, the charity eds hyphen uk and there's a link to it on the article has a lot more on it um but i think this the rcgp toolkit which is coming out in january apparently, oh is it okay um brilliant uh, yeah would, would be is, is well well worth hanging on for i think and and i'm um, having a look through that and putting into a um a cpd for next and year and this is just great and this is precisely the need that that kelly that dr lockwood has has identified that there is this kind of low low level of awareness of, of almost a sort of cinderella of connected tissue dis- disorders yeah. as she as she calls it so um thank you kelly um yeah wonderful and and so that 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 kicks off the magazine and as you scroll through it we've got um um obviously our usual adverts from our sponsors trust locums um and then that takes you then on to uh uh, Liz Densley's article on tax in time for Christmas. There's a lovely picture of a festive, festive wreath on the front door <laughs> to cheer, cheer you up as you think about tax. Have you got your tax return in, Richard? No, I, 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 I either get it a couple of times. I've got it in sort of July August time, but, wow. but you, I, I, I've nearly done it. I, I, I've nearly done it. I, I actually have been keep putting my receipts into my um, onto locum deck as I've been going along. Oh. So that's nearly all ready to go. Um, I, I've just, I, I, as you know, I, I'm sort of part way through a year of using Locum Dexa. By the fifth of April, two thousand eighteen, I'll be able to to use it to look up all my yeah. uh, sessions and income. That's going to and pension contribution. That's going to make make life a lot a lot easier. But of course, for, for self for self assessment tax returns, the, the deadlines are what well, the year end the tax year end is fifth of April, uh, and then you have to have your tax return you have to file it by the 31st of january the following, following year. year and so this is what liz is talking about and, and not so, so liz talks about how the the uh, tax on account payments on account um and that's something that always gets me in, and and uh, trips me up uh, uh whether because 
particularly I think what Liz, what Liz says in this article is that if in any way your income status has somehow changed during that the 2015, no, 2016, 2017 tax year, which is what obviously we're coming up to, let's say you've done more salaried work or less salaried work or changed from salary to self-employed locum or vice versa or particularly partnership, or um, you've you've started paying NHS pension or stopped paying NHS pension, all these different liabilities will affect how much you're going to have to then pay on account. Um, and, of course, as always, I mean, I think... It, it, it always refer to an expert with when it comes to things things like this. So having a an expert, an accountant on hand, um, to do that for you can advise on those different liabilities. But also, another piece of advice Liz talks about is if you've been, if you're going to be paying too much or too little, um, make sure that when your next the next tax year ends, i.e. April eighteen, is to get your accounts in early. Um, so you can uh, make an you, there's a, there's a mid year adjustment you can make yeah, I as think well. You pay in, pay on account in July as well. So you, if you can get the accurate the real figure um, quickly oh. as soon as possible after the fifth of April, you may be able to adjust your July one accordingly. Yes. So thirty first of July, thirty first of January. Another thing, but the, the, the bit of the end Liz talks about is, is grumpy accountants. And in that, um, don't leave. Another really good reason um, to not leave your tax too late is if what you don't want is, is, is accountants over Christmas having lots of accounts all coming in um, at the same time. Try, trying to meet that 31st of January deadline. Yeah, it, but basically more likely to make mistakes. Um, as we as GPs know, as with patients leaving, coming to see us with a whole list of stuff that they've left till the last minute, we are we as GPs are more likely to make mistakes. You don't want your account and to make a mistake when it's something that could easily have been avoided so it's um taste of our own medicine there although Liz does actually say us as, as, a, as a group sessional GPs are usually quite good at getting getting tax in on time uh next is a, is a uh, one of our, another one of our sponsors a new sponsor for, for the sessional GP magazine um, it's always good to welcome a new sponsor and this is transition medical um who have had quite a few nice chats with recently about being experts in getting uh, GPs who want to spend some time working overseas, uh, as both you and I have done in mm -hmm. the past, um, to get get visas and placements all sorted out, because uh, that can be quite a nightmare. And they specialise in Australia and New Zealand, is that yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And they're by just if you just click on that advert, you'll go straight through to their brand new website as well. And then that takes us on to uh, legal and medical. And uh, Nigel Farrer's done a, um, an article here on the new childcare fund. Uh, now, this this took us by surprise. We didn't know about this. And it's very, very new, uh, newly announced as well within the last few weeks. I, I was I was I was not thrilled, but I was pleasantly surprised reading this because it's just actually something quite sensible and I don't know people know about it. It's just a really good idea. If you have children, it's definitely worth um, reading this article because there's a new child... Care, is it called Child Care Choice Scheme? Yes. That was introduced in April 2017 for children under four and they're gradually increasing the ages it covers and I think on the 24th of November it's covering children up to six and under and eventually it will cover children up to their 12th, up to the 12th birthday, birthday or up to 17th birthday if disabled if, if you have special needs or dis disabled children so um this is uh, it's just incredible basically that the sea change is that this scheme 
is open to self-employed people. Yay! Uh, so unlike the old childcare voucher system, which is only for employees, this is open to self-employed people. Um, other people can pay into it, not just you. So if you had grandparents, for instance, and you, for every uh, 80 pence that you put in to it, the government will put in 20 pence, um, up to a maximum of £2,000 a year, I think, yep, is that I the outline? That was, yeah, that's... So it's pretty... It's pretty good, and it, it can work alongside the free hours of childcare that three- and four-year-olds get, these sort of 15, uh, 15 or 30 hours, depending on how much you work and how much you earn childcare. So it can work alongside that, um, but I believe not alongside the voucher the voucher system. So you have to make a decision, and I guess for us self-employed people, it's a no-brainer because we didn't have access, and I, I don't think, to the vouchers. So... I just think it's absolutely fantastic that it's open to self-employed people. And I think the criteria are also that both parents need to be earning at least £120 each a week mm. and and under £100,000 a year. Okay. I assume that's combined. Is it both? But what if you're a single parent? Oh, well, I guess it might be calculated then on your um, on the other parent. I don't know. Both of you. I don't know, but but this, if you look at the article, there is a link straight through to legal and medical, um, and ask Nigel. He not, not we know Nigel; he's great, and he will come straight back to you uh, mm -hmm. with with uh, with advice on that. But that's um, a really good bit of news. It is. I think it that's is a good bit of news. And even I mean, it mentions in there that in terms of grandparents paying into it, it's a good way to offset. Um, uh, I think cap capital gains tax or some no, sort inheritance of uh, inheritance tax. Probably, that's it. Yes. So moving on, obviously a little little advert there for Locum Deck, uh, which you've got lots of new users have started using that today even. Advert there from um, the uh, Nottingham LMC, there's an LMC conference and we will be speaking at that, uh, that's in the new year, 30th of January in, in the Nottingham area. Can people click on the advert to sign up? You can, click on that and it goes through to an event okay. like calendar and you can sign up from there, it's free I believe. Uh, and then um, from the MPS, Rachel you, Birch. You've missed the the picture. Oh, the picture. The lovely picture. Claire, Claire, Claire's lovely picture. This time it's um, it's it's a felt tip drawing, but this one is I'm craning to see it in Dulwich Park. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. It is beautiful. Uh, right. Yes, fit to fly from the Medical Protection Society. And uh, so Rachel Birch has put together this, and Sarah. We wrote to Rachel because one of our members had written in to us about um, fit to fly uh, uh, letters requests. Yeah, so so they they were asking for um, advice, and we thought that's a good question. Um, <laughs> so Rachel's put together a couple of um, case studies, and this is a situation, and I can certainly think of times when this has happened to me, where where patients, uh, perhaps with illnesses, perhaps with chronic illnesses, or even terminal illnesses. Uh, uh, come along and they they may be uh, feeling quite well at the moment but they want to do a, a, a holiday a, a final fling in the sun or and they they've been told they need something in order to be able to fly and I think there's usually a oh it's just going to be a, a signing a paper exercise a doctor can you just sign this certificate or this form or just give me something to say I'm fit to fly and it's you know what do you do next so Rachel's put together a couple of um, case studies and talked through um, 
the ideal things to do. She signposted uh, us to some resources from the Civil Aviation Authority. Uh, I think when I looked at this, even if you the Medical Protection Society themselves have even got some mm. um, guidance on this. Um, and basically, it's it's just being about being, being careful with your wording. Nobody really can do a guarantee you're fit to fly, but what you can do um, is give us a factual and accurate description of the patient's condition, how stable they are, any recent relapses, uh, whether or not there's any any um, special reason to believe that they, they're about to, to decompensate in any way. Um, so the article's really good on that. And just one thing that occurred to me when I look when I've looked into this in the past for, for patients myself is that often these people uh, often patients will have difficulty getting travel insurance if they have a pre pre-existing condition either it's very pricey or the, the you know the standard companies um, won't touch them um, and in in the past I've been recommended uh, a, a travel insurance company called MIA travel insurance and it's worth just take just take a look at their website they seem to be a sensitive company who are in it for the right reasons um who talk uh, who is experienced at talking through with um you know people with all sorts of conditions about what they might need to travel with special considerations and they they do have policies uh for 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 people i think they've got one is it good to go or, or clear to go mm. uh, policies for people even with quite severe illnesses so um you you could you could have a look at the website look at the testimonial see what you reckon of the the founders and um the, the and 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 see if you would feel comfortable uh with with signposting patients to something like that um as well as part of your discussion with them they've probably already found it themselves of course patients are very but that's all, all good ammo for our consultation toolkit as it were when, when, when patients come in asking about this that's, that's good like the the insurance idea i like that yeah yeah uh and then we have um another one of our sponsors practice cover um I've actually had an email say from Linda saying how many locums have been signing up for this uh, and this is an insurance policy for you as locum GPs should you go off sick, have an accident or even have jury service um, and it's really quite affordable um, and it covers you up to um, 52 weeks uh, from from after which a normal um, um, what are they called income protection policy or would, would then would then kick in. Our next article is from our friend and regular contributor, Kate Little. Um, she's done a whole series of articles on um, um, sort of resilience. And this one is about staying sane over the Christmas period with nine very helpful little tips. Um, uh, very simple to follow um, and a lot of them very obvious, but stuff that we just tend to be so busy um, trying to combine our GP, busy GP lives and our busy family lives. And, and um, um, it's worth a little read through that. Yeah, it's nice to have a reminder about looking after yourself. And Kate makes the point at the end that this isn't about being indulgent and it's about it, it it's about your core and and uh, you know if it, it, being able to look after others in order to look after others hmm. you have to look after yourself so it's a really nice synthesis of um, some really useful applicable um, tips that you can use to keep sane. <laughs> and you 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 you've you've got a great tip for keeping sane, haven't you, Richard? Which is bringing your uh, appraisal forward. I seem six to, weeks. I seem <laughs> to put it forward six weeks. Yes. So um, you're um, in January. So I've got to get my stuff now in within the next two weeks. Which well is done. Having just got been away for a week and just well um, getting the magazine out and uh, and having to do my tax as well. Um, 
That's so, a really... People who have their... T- t- well, if you were organised with your tax, you would have had it done a long time ago. I know. No. I know. My <laughs> own fault. But um, I've got a great week between Christmas and New Year planned of doing not very much. So a good, good, good target to, uh, to get through. Another one of our sponsors, Pallet Medical Chambers. And then um, an article from Judith, which we're not going to dwell on too much. Um, this is because we've already recorded um, a full podcast on this already. All I would say about this article about Cuba is it's brilliant. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> of course it is. Um, have it's really it's really wonderful and illuminating and a good history lesson and. Uh, it holds a mirror you. up to, to us uh, us in the NHS, doesn't it? I love the phrase that uh, Cuba gets rich world outcomes on poor world income. So thank you, Judith. And, lo- and lo- look out for the forthcoming uh, podcast on that. And then lastly, uh, a new contributor, hopefully a regular contributor, is um, uh, Jodie Blackadder, who's uh, the um, new chairman of the RCGP's First Five Committee, um, and she's put together this sort of a, 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 a statement really about why First Five began mm-hmm. and what Jodie's plans are for it going forward. Uh, and we like this a lot. Yeah, and, and it's a, there's a bit of a call to action at the end as well. And uh, I, I, love, I love the description. Jo- Jodie has managed to bring about the setting up of GP societies in most medical schools in the country. So with this idea that medical students um, who we all know, don't we, that during medical training there can be a tendency for general practice to be um, considered by students who are mainly faced with hospital doctors that, that general practice can be slightly looked down on. So this idea... And you're being of... polite there. <laughs> Speaking as med- previous medical students ourselves, of yes. course, we know... Uh, and we know how bad this is. Uh, we, know, we, we know that this is wrong. And, um, uh, and, and, and so for, 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 for Jodie to identify this and to, from the grassroots, go into medical schools and set up these societies where, where students who have an interest in general practice can proudly gang together and get that sense of identity mm. and um, um, purpose is, is just such a great idea. And, of course, First Five then bridges the gap uh, aims to bridge about for GPs who just post CCT going into whatever type of general practice that they're, they're choosing to do. Um, and Jodie mentions a, a, a post VTS event and how that, that they'd really like to spread that. So that it's, and we've off, you've, I know Richard, you've said actually specifically that during GP training, people really should become be prepared for the real world of work that they're going to face when they leave. And with more of us being sessional GPs and locums, having some form of um, almost locum induction during training would be absolutely fantastic. And didn't you put together a document a while ago? Well, well, we, we did the NESGP did um, 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 GP locum skills, the, the, the skills we need and how to achieve them. And and we, we did that, yes, we did, did that with the college and we can, we did a complete deconstruction of, of mm-hmm. what it's like to work as a locum and therefore what sort of training we need for that. Um, and it's still... But, but we... But, but, you and I met some locums the other day, didn't we, at a conference we were at who just clearly had not had any training on how to work as a locum. And it is the most vulnerable time, I think, in any of our careers mm. when it's the first few weeks, months or year or so, this first five period, when you're out 
practicing independently um you've got all of that going on mm. uh, particularly if you're as most of us are when we when we first qualify working as locums we've explicitly been not taught how to work as locums and we can just we, we quite clearly being picked off by individual practices or hubs or federations or commercial organizations picking us off and we are some and some locums are feeling very very exploited and we're getting this in lots of um face-to-face uh, conversations we've been having and um and i think the, the 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 college particularly has got an awful lot of work to do to get training up to speed and 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 and, and jody from what we can see from this, this article this is is a great person to help lead mm. that change i think oh it's a great um example of uh, a grassroots doctor uh, noticing a problem at the grassroots and then and then making connections across the grassroots and then having uh, the the uh, sponsorship if you like of of an organization that that like the college that is maybe starting to listen and and um, uh, giving her that extra protection to get this done so uh, yeah we look forward to hearing more we've got to get Jodie on a podcast haven't we She's, she's, she's certainly game up for it, so 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 we'll, we'll get that organised. Well, Sarah, thanks ever so much um, uh, for going through that. And sorry, um, I had a bit of a cough in the middle. There. <laughs> it well, is December. Well, I've, I'll, I'll hopefully edit it out by then, so hopefully people won't have noticed. But we'll see. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, enjoy. Have a great Christmas. We've got a, one or two more emails we'll be putting out to to members before then as well. Um, so um, thanks very much. Yeah, a very merry Christmas. Mm-hmm.